from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, April 19th, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. That is a sun-kissed, relaxed introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Join us from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And just down the road, finally back with the family, Author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, Jess. It is a good Friday indeed, because Annie indeed. is back. Yeah. Hey, Thanks, um, I want to tell you before we get going that today's show is brought to you by World Vision and their upcoming Global 6K for water. It's not too late to sign up, y'all. It's a one-day event on May 4th where people from all over the world walk and run 6K in their own neighborhoods to bring lasting clean water to children in need. Every step you take is one they won't have to. Now, why are we doing 6K? 6K is the average distance women and kids in the developing world walk for clean water. Now, when you walk or run World Vision's Global 6K for Water, you provide life-changing clean water to one person in need through your registration fee. So no matter where you walk or run, you can be celebrating lives changed. It's really cool. And you can also get people to sponsor you, and you can raise a lot more than just your registration fee. The event takes place on May 4th, and our whole team at Relevant is actually running it here in downtown Orlando uh, near our home office. But you can run it in your hometown with your friends, by yourself, or host a group from your church or school. Uh, just go to worldvision6k.org to search for groups in your area to sign up or to find out how to host your own. And uh, hey, if you want to come down to Orlando and run with us on May 4th, visit worldvision6k.org slash relevant, and you can find out the information there. Can I can I can I yeah. say one thing about this that yes. <laughs> I was I you know I'm not this isn't me hedging okay right. this is right. me just being real right. I up until this week was prepared to win this thing you right. know to uh-huh. prepare to, to to shame you know everyone who who is yeah, generous enough to come weeks. down yeah I had I had a setback. And what? that setback came what? in the form of those Mickey Mouse ice cream things at Disney World <laughs> that I consumed. Many, With the M&M eyes. Yeah, and I'll so say this. Good. There is nothing more satisfying than biting the ears off those things. Like, the, the ears are the perfect size. You just take in one bite. And, like, I didn't even the heads. I just threw them away. And I just, another round, ice cream vendor. Another round. Oh, I, rich guy. I just throw it away. You know, just rack up a credit card bill. and sneakers. We need uh, some <laughs> editors and ice cream. That's ideas. right. Yeah. That's, that's right. Beyond, that's beyond, that's beyond spending. I consume nearly a dozen uh, Mickey, pairs of Mickey oh Mouse gosh. ears, and <gasps> I'm very concerned about how it's going to affect my performance. You so, one day. You were there one day. I soaked you, it all in. I if jammed, you really ate a dozen of those, I'd be so impressed, actually. Annie... My, the only thing that's that's greater than what I can do athletically is in the world of competitive eating. If I like <laughs> any type of competition like that, I set my mind to, I will dominate, even if I get gravely ill or type 1 diabetes in the process. I Nothing will stop me. You can't get type 1 diabetes. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, to, explain, mouse ears can do. to explain to the, the families that we're doing this 6K for that 
you you don't even like the entire ice cream, but what is that part? Of, you can't eat that part. Oh no, it's edible. Is it bad? No, I just don't like the rest of the ice cream. It just doesn't fit in my mouth. It just doesn't. Yeah, it just didn't fit in my mouth. I want everything bite sized. I want bite sized. So can I have it? No, I threw it away. It all hit me, Cameron. You know when it hit me that I've really damaged my performance is I was we we, I brought the family where at your house poolside on Tuesday. I I packed a lot into this these couple days down in Orlando, and the new Johnny Tuesday you're at Disney. Tuesday we're at Disney. Wednesday Wednesday, I was at I was at yeah yeah, we we were pooling it, paddleboarding, boating, going doing a whole deal. And the, the Johnny Swim, their new album came out, comes out this week, right? Yep, and right. Cameron was blasting it over the Bluetooth poolside. That Michael McDonald song came on and <laughs> where he's like, waiting for you. You know what I'm saying? He does oh, yeah. a little background course, Chandler, maybe in post, we can, you know, pipe in a little clip there. And I think he, you did it fine. And, you know, the Yacht Rock you know the glorious yacht rock tones of michael mcdonald are blasting yeah. out the cool the warm breeze uh you know is blowing on the lake and i am you know probably six inches down in a yard bag full of like yellow popcorn realizing the gravity of my arrogance that i can just <laughs> that i can do this to my body that I can do, do this to my body and expect to win a, a six K. So I all that to say is I will be participating. I am no longer as confident about the win. That's all. I, I have hedged my bets as well because I, I was starting to, you know, train and stuff like that and like, okay, I'm gonna run this thing. And then I forgot that I have my nine year old joining me. So I can't run full blast. I got to go at his pace. So I, yeah. I, oh, I, that I, worked out nice. Yeah, back yeah, on wow. the, uh, I'd yeah. love to see you keep up with Cohen's pace you for can, a six k. Something tells me you're going to be asking him to slow up a little bit. <laughs> four miles? I don't think. I don't think my uh, unathletic nine year old can run four miles. I think we'll be he's, doing a lot of walking. He's got energy in him. He's got some juice in his yeah, boosters. He can do it. That's true. He's got kid kid energy. Kid energy. Yeah, yeah. He's got kid energy, which which, but I think a kid energy can last for four miles. You think? Well, I mean, we're going to see. I guess we'll find we will out, see. <laughs> May 4th. We're about Andy, to know. I, I, we're about to have anecdotal evidence. But are you going to join us, Annie? Are you going to be... Uh... No, because I'm speaking at a conference in California, but they are having a race because oh, they listen okay. to the show. So they're doing one out there at the conference. Are you going to so you're going to be there like in spirit? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I will be doing what the Truly. rest of the world who isn't flying to Orlando is doing, which is participating at the same time on the same day. In a different city. The rest of the world. CNN cameras at the finish line. We have a great show coming up for you today. Uh, Joining us later is movie star Rooney Mara. She stars in a new movie uh, that just released uh, called Mary Magdalene, and she plays the title character. It just hit theaters. Uh, Tyler Daswick spoke with her recently, and he's going to be bringing us part of that interview. Uh, And also the filmmaker, Garth Davis, will be joining us to talk about the movie. Uh, If you know Rooney Mara, she starred in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She won an Oscar. I mean, she's she's a big deal. Yeah, and and Garth Davis, too. I think this is only his third feature. His first feature was Lion. Did you get anybody see Lion with Dead Hotel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rooney yeah. Mara was also in line. She was also in that, and that was nominated for six Oscars. So it's a oh wow, yeah, both, yeah so both of them. Well, you know, you know, we're bringing the big guns today because this is a big deal. This is our seven hundredth episode today. It's crazy. We have officially joined the seven hundred club. <laughs> Feels good. Feels good. I think. Feels we, good. I think it was inevitable. I think yeah. we all saw this happening. The seven hundred <laughs> club was sort of the natural. The logical endpoint of all this. At some point, this show would merge with the 700 Club. That's that's <laughs> the indistinguishable. That's the indistinguishable with the brand. That's crazy. <laughs> 700 
That's a that's a lot of random conversations we've had. Yeah, that's a lot of Jesse. It's far too much. I think a lot. I think most people <laughs> no, would agree. No, not at all. It's a dangerous you know, amount. No, it when I thought dangerous. about seven hundred episodes in my mind, uh, you know, I kind of thought that that'll be that, that'll be it'll be better than having children. Like it's gonna be the best thing. And now that we're actually here, now that we're actually here, it is. Now, totally like, are you announcing uh, something right now? Are you announcing that you are pregnant right now? No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, I don't think so. And I will say this. Now that it's here, I'm beginning to question my life choices. Uh, so <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it is a lot. So to it's celebrate... To celebrate our 700th episode, we have a special 700 Club uh, themed game coming up later. Oh, I can't uh, wait. Later on. So Huckabee will tell us about that. Uh, moving the show along, it is time for... Um, okay, coming in at number five this week on the hot list, Georgetown students voted to add a tuition fee for slavery reparations this week. Uh, the students voted uh, for an additional fee to be added to the cost of tuition that would be used to pay financial reparations to descendants of slaves that were sold by the school in the 1800s. Back wow. in 1838, the school's presidents, a duo of Jesuit priests, sold 272 individuals that were enslaved by a local Jesuit order. Each semester, students will pay an extra $27.20 as part of a reconciliation contribution. Under the direction of a student board and the actual descendants of slaves, that money would be spent on community projects and areas where the descendants live today. Despite the vote, the administration itself has not committed to implementing the fee or creating the fund. That is interesting. Yeah, and I think I think it sets a really incredible precedent, you know, especially for a school that ha- has a religious history, you know, like right. that was a school for Jesuit priests, Georgetown right. University in, 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 in Washington, D.C. And for them to do something so awful to have that in their past and for the students, you know, as a student council that that brought this up for a vote and and you know the administration isn't ruling it out but um you know the students kind of took the lead on this and you know determined a a practical way to implement this and it would fund some you know cool community projects in the areas near the school where they've identified that the descendants of these 272 individuals live so i mean it's and it seems like such a great next generation move to kind of teach all of us that are a little bit older than them and the ones coming behind them, like there is a way to make things right. And there's a difference between like taking some responsibility and taking all the ownership of it. Right. Like they're like, okay, we see some responsibility here. It's, it wasn't our sin. It wasn't our mistake, but we will have some responsibility in making it right. And I think that's such a modeling it in such a healthy way to me. Well, that's kind of even what Kyle Corver wrote in the players tribune. And we talked about it last week is he saying it wasn't something that, I did, but I have a responsibility for my peers. You know, I have a responsibility to do what's right and stand up for what's right. Um, right. Yeah. And, awesome. and it's cool to see how this could maybe work. If this could work on a, on a small level, you know, on a, on a campus level, it could provide an important model for larger communities. That's right. Um, even like old, uh, bigger colleges, old historic churches, and possibly even cities, states, and eventually the government to try to inst- institute something similar on a larger scale. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, coming in number four this week on the hot list. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, you know, when you ask your Alexa something and then she's like, I don't know or whatever. Well, apparently they record all that and Amazon yeah. is paying people to listen in on what users tell Alexa. So this report just came from Bloomberg Technology. 
apparently the Echo device, you know, it helps users answer questions, find information online and use digital services by directing AI assistant Alexa through voice commands. The assumption is that those conversations between Alexa and users are kept private. But according to the report, thousands of Amazon employees, including some contractors, are tasked with listening to conversations, transcribing and annotating them, and then feeding them back into the software as part of an effort to eliminate gaps in Alexa's understanding of human speech and help it better respond to commands. The workers reportedly sign non-disclosure agreements that prevent them from discussing the program. But uh, yeah, if you but have someone those, did, if we've got this much, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them came for, uh, anonymously, but a lot of them came yeah, forward. Yeah. And, and the thing is, yeah. when Bloomberg went to Amazon and said, listen, we have we're not going to tell you our sources, but these are people who work for you, told us this stuff. Amazon didn't deny it. They, they said, yeah. oh, yeah, we have this program, you know, and, you know, they kind of alluded to it's hinted to in the language. But, you know, the scary thing is there this two, uh, there was at least two of these people that came forward that were listening to things and they think they heard. Something. So they listen to everything or do they just listen when we say answer Alexa. questions that, or the answer is I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And a portion of those. It, well, a, a portion of those are, uh, you know, um selected for this the, this program but you know the thing is alexa's always listening and sometimes like after the question's answered it's still inadvertently listening anyway a couple of these people said they they heard something that sounded like an assault happening and they brought it to their superiors and they're like it's not our job to get involved with that even though they could have you know th- th- they could have potentially stopped uh, you know, uh, someone violent from committing crimes in the future. Amazon just said, "Oh, what, what are we? What are you gonna do?" You know, it's it's really insidious. And I think it's it's not just Amazon, right? Because when Zuckerberg was brought before that Senate that Senate committee, he refused to say one way or the other whether or not Facebook stops listening in when you stop uh when you stop using it to record. He he wouldn't answer that question. So uh, this is indicative of a, just a larger issue, I think, in the tech industry that uh that is probably like you alluded to, Jesse. It's probably in that language that you click that you don't read at the beginning, like yeah yeah yeah, yeah right. you can do whatever you want with my information. But there's stuff in there that goes well beyond the bounds of what you would think uh, normal terms of agreement would be. And it's, it's getting longer all the, those are getting longer all the time. Right. And I know like Facebook has denied this. And I think we've talked about it on the pod before about how, you know, it has the technical capability of listening, even when it's not activated, if you have the app on your phone. But I, the other night, man, I was having a conversation with someone about, <laughs> this is the kind of gripping conversations I'm having in my free time about how good Domino's pizza has gotten. Like it's gotten, I don't know if you guys had it lately. I don't know. No. They, they redid the recipe. They, they figured out the box. You know, they used to put those little, um, yeah, yeah, the triangular things. Yeah, the, yeah. the little uh, Barbie house uh, long Table. tables in there, you know, patio tables. You know, they figure out the box so the cheese doesn't get squished. So they got a whole system. I watched it, Cameron, because of that episode of Ugly Delicious where David Chang, yeah. you know, yeah, he likes they, where he, they position themselves. So like basically Domino's is now a tech company that happens to make pizza and this fantastic pizza. Anyway, I get out through a whole conversation about this because I'm, I'm watching basketball friends. We're deciding where to order pizza and I made the plea for Domino's. I lost out. But anyway, I swear I opened my <laughs> Facebook app. The first ad I saw was Domino's Pizza. Yeah. Happens oh, a lot. Yeah. Happens yeah. a lot. It's weird. And, and so Facebook has denied that they are doing, that they are listening to conversations and servicing ad. But a lot of people have their very, very similar experiences with that. But, Jesse, I mean, do you think... Oh, sorry, Cameron. Go I was just saying, like, do you, do you think that they were listening to you or do you think that you just fit the exact profile of somebody who passionately <laughs> loved Domino's? <laughs> That's the thing. And they, like, 
they've targeted you other ways yeah yeah it's like okay should we service this guy (laughs) ads for this intriguing documentary series about climate change and the effects in indigenous societies or you know a new series of of books that if for the most intelligent or this is a guy who's probably wanting some pizza right now (laughs) you know what the right the right look look everyone check this out man check out they don't have those little patio tables in here because cardboard's better (laughs) i also want to say if anybody at at amazon is listening and now tyler huckabee nashville tennessee and uh don't read too much into all those anime searches that like (laughs) anime is a noble art form and and it's not weird and even if it was weird i wasn't doing it i was that was a different tyler so don't worry about that yeah all right, going to number three this week on the hot list. This is this is interesting. Kim Kardashian West is studying to become a criminal justice lawyer. Uh, the reality television icon and fashion mogul says the next step in her career will be turning her passion for prison reform into a full-time job. She's studying to take the notoriously difficult California bar with a four-year internship at a San Francisco law firm, which will require a minimum of 18 hours of work a week. Uh, she said she was inspired to become a lawyer while working to secure the pardon of Alice Marie Johnson, the 62-year-old who received a life sentence for a first-time nonviolent drug offense. She's becoming the real deal. Look and, at that. And dude, I don't under, like this story had. Listen, I I know that <laughs> I people know have strong opinions about Kim Kardashian, but people were there's a lot of shade being thrown at at this story, and I'm like, dude. What would this is a good like? Why why is this a bad thing? Like why is it a bad thing that someone who has a platform and doesn't need to go to law school, you know, is deciding to do this for criminal justice reform? Yeah. You know, like who? Yeah, I know her name. She doesn't need to make money. She's doing this because she passionately believes about this as a justice issue. It's yeah. an issue of right and wrong, and she's wanting to make a positive difference. We should applaud people. I mean, I'll be conviction. super impressed if she passes. Yeah. Between now and then, it's just like it's one of those where it's like time will tell. But if she passes that bar exam, more power to you, Kim. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, she can't. She can't win because she like for for her entire career, she's been. She, people are like, well, what, what, she, she doesn't even have a job. She's just out there living off of you know getting getting rich for doing nothing at all. And then she announces that she's actually going to get a real job that people have. And I was like, yeah, she can't do that. What is, who does she think she is? <laughs> it, it's, it's, like, it's unfair. It, yeah, it was the same thing when like some like celebrity you know announces like they've like kind of discovered faith or, or or coming to Christianity, and they tweet something, and people start nitpicking the like theological nuance of it, and it's like you're. The person is like trying to change your life here. We don't need to like pick them apart over nothing. Even like Van Jones, our guest on the last episode, he got dragged because he, he tweeted this. He said, I watched Kim Kardashian unleash the most effective, emotionally intelligent intervention that I've ever seen in American politics. That was his tweet in response to this. And, it, and he took a lot of heat for saying that. It, but I mean, she, look, she say what you will about her or, or any other reality star that happens to have a lot of influence right now. But she met with the president of the United States in the Oval Office and helped, you know, not only secure pardons for people that were serving unjust sentences, but also helped get the First Step Act uh, passed, which is a major step for criminal justice reform that the previous administration didn't implement. You know, that like, you know, she's using her celebrity for uh, uh, something that bi- there's bipartisan support for implementing right. justice reform change. And if it takes Kim Kardashian to push it forward and educate herself, then good for her. You know, like why, who cares? You know, yeah, we should be applauding the celebrities and the leaders and the people who have power and fame to, you know, if they're using their, 
position in their platform for to make a greater good, we should be applauding that. So, any if any if you were if you were taken if you ended up in court on a spurious charge, <laughs> you you didn't do it. You're innocent, mm-hmm. and you don't. And you, so you end up in court, and then the doors. I know this isn't how it works, but, but the, the doors <laughs> open, and your lawyer walks in. And in court, this is this is the big day, Ooh. and it, and your lawyer is Kim Kardashian West. I'm and thrilled. she walks up and she puts her hand <laughs> down top of her ears and she says, we're getting you out of here, babe. Yes. What, what, are you pumped? A hundred percent. Yeah, I believe it. A hundred percent. I think, yeah, you're right, Kim. If any, you're going to get me out of this because the, no one, no one, you may not publicly love her, but no one is going to lose to Kim Kardashian. Win, win against Kim Kardashian. Everyone's going to lose to Kim Kardashian. So you, she walks in, you go, yeah, she's going to, she's going to charm every person in this room, male and female alike. I'm great. And don't Which forget, is great I'm innocent, and so don't forget her dad was a incredibly famous and powerful lawyer. lawyer you know? yeah. I mean, she's yeah. got in her blood. Yeah. I, would I, mean, I do think that'll be interesting again to see the, the intelligence level that we don't know exists in these women. Clearly they're smarter than people give them credit for because they're millionaires and two Bill? of them are billionaires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so they're smarter than people give them credit for, but to have a job and pass a bar, like the, like a lawyer is, and become a lawyer is an, a next level of respect for a brain versus making a ton of money. I've already made the decision that coming, you know, coming into my inevitable criminal trial for one day uh, for a variety of, of misdeeds, I will be representing myself. It will be the state versus Jesse <laughs> oh Carey. Gosh. But if that doesn't work out, I would love to get Kim like on a retainer or something pro bono. <laughs> but uh, Man, Jesse, a hundred percent, you would represent yourself. That yeah, doesn't surprise yeah. any of us. No, of yeah. course, no, you try no, to represent I, yourself. Those witnesses would crack under my under the heat <laughs> of my cross examination. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming in at number two this week on the hot list, Lord, not the Lord, but the performer Lord with the E at the Oh, end. wait a minute. It, we might have to change this because I thought this was the Lord. This doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lord performed a, a rendition of The Sound of the Silence at a benefit concert in New Zealand. Uh, the You Are Us concert in Christchurch raised money for people affected by the recent mass shooting in the country where a gunman opened fire on two mosques, killing dozens. Uh, Lord was joined by fellow New Zealand singer-songwriter Marlon Williams, not Marlon Wayans. I uh, wanted it to be Marlon Wayans yeah. so much. <laughs> if this covering, was the Lord and, Mar- and Marlon Wayans. <laughs> the Lord and Marlon Wayans. <laughs> covering <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. That'd be, that'd be number one. The long-awaited yeah, collaboration. Yeah, that's number one on the hot list for sure. The long-awaited collaboration of any of the Wayans family and Lord. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, before the performance, Lord told the crowd, to our Muslim community, to our brothers and sisters, you have been so strong and so resilient and so graceful, and we are with you. Here's a clip. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Alone. 
Good. Yeah, it's, it's Marlon Wayans is very, very talented. He's I, no he's, I love a good harmony. Simon and Garfunkel are always good for a good harmony line. And gracious, and any of the Wayans, any of the Wayans. I mean, that's it's a really <laughs> Damien <laughs> family. Marlon does yeah. not miss. Yeah, the, the harmonies that that family. Yeah, the, 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 that song trips. has been ruined for me because the, of the scene in Why? Old School where it's like a the, the scene <laughs> is a parody on The Graduate where the same thing happens. Great. But Will Sad Sack Will Ferrell, whose fiance has left him and is now living in a bathrobe re-gifting his wedding presents to his friends to you know uh he's he gets shot by the donkey tranquilizer and falls <laughs> to, to the and as he's sinking in the bathrobe his face is semi-conscious and that song is playing and yeah. like that's ruined it forever because it's a gorgeous song it's one it's one of the great songs in the american song catalog you know but the, but yeah. seeing sad sack will ferrell with a tranquilizer dart in his neck sinking to the bottom of a pool has ruined it for i don't know it's kind of improved it because now i was like oh this is you know not so dark after all this is pretty hilarious yeah. <laughs> all right coming in number one this week on the hot list tim tebow profiled chip and joanna Gaines for times 100 most influential people list it, the issue was released this week and it featured uh featuring entertainers like ariana grande and sandra O, oh, world leaders like prime ministers benjamin netanyahu and jacinda ardern and even an anonymous honduran refugee who spent a few months fighting to be reunited with her 18 month old son who uh, was separated from her at the border. Among those listed are fixer-upper stars Chip and Joanna Gaines, who are heralded as, quote, incredible people with incredible hearts. Each profile was written by another well-known figure, and the Gaineses was written by Tim Tebow, who met the couple when he was on the set of Fixer Upper. Tebow highlighted the Gaineses' faith, saying it, quote, keeps them focused on what truly matters in life. People matter. Loving people matters. And And Joe and Chip are amazing at loving people. There you go. Heartfelt. Annie, I'm going to give you a list of people that you can have Domino's Pizza with one night. And you have to tell me which one you choose. Tim Tebow, Chip and Joe, The Property Brothers, Steph and Aisha Curry. There's only one right answer here. Who do you choose? Domino's Pizza. Steph and Aisha Curry. Steph and Aisha Curry, no question. The correct answer is The Property Brothers. Is that the wrong answer, Jesse? The correct was Property Brothers. I'd go Chip and Joe. Really? I, think, I thought Annie would say Tim Tebow. Yeah. No, I really liked him, but I but Steph you and I, I really Steph like Aisha, Aisha Curry. Nice. Like I think Steph's okay. really cool too, but I think Aisha Curry and I are gonna be friends anyway. And so I'm like, let's kick it off with some dominoes. Like Cameron, you'd go Chip and Joe. I would. You know, they have they they're getting their own network. Yeah. Did you yeah. see that was announced? Yeah. Next yeah. next year it'll be rolling out. They're taking over the DIY network. They're gonna get their own network. Yeah. I don't know. I, Jesse, I, I they, oh, and also I don't know, with that being announced, can we say? Johnny Swim has a show on it. Yeah, I was about to say a lot of our friends have shows on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, who who else can you say, Annie? Who else? Uh, uh-uh. I can't. But a lot Sword of our friends secrecy. have shows on it. <laughs> Sword, Sword of Secrecy. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a great. T- I mean, I think it's going to be probably a massive hit of a channel. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I think it's baked into the, the whoever is whoever decided to pitch that just saw dollar signs. Yeah. Like this is this is well I the, can't the say guy idea. the guy. Uh, so the story goes that the uh, a guy bought the Discovery channel family of channels you know okay. uh, a year or so ago just as fixer upper was ending but he was a huge fan of chip and joe themselves and wanted badly to keep them involved with the networks and stuff and in those conversations the idea of he offered you know could what if you had your own channel and uh, they said sure yeah so, i can't wait yeah, i mean i, would yeah, I mean brilliant. it's bold doing the shiplap hour 
for one hour prime time <laughs> every night. I mean, it's, it's about three. And a, it's about three and a no, half no, hour it's block. Like, is yeah. there shiplap? And then they like, they, you have to Is guess. it like live then, PD, Jesse, yeah. where we just watch Chip and Joe from a studio? It's Chip. No, no, no. They're like, they're like, okay, we found one. And they're like running into a dilapidated old barn. And he's like, okay, is it shiplap? And he just swings a sledgehammer right. through the back wall. It's like, no shiplap here. Let's no go. Shiplap. And, they, and they just run. He's got like a GoPro and like flashlight. There's like cop style, you know. Who's they, back in the headquarters that we go to to start a commercial? Oh, oh, like on live PD. Th- th- that's the property brothers. They're waiting there, okay, commentating okay. The property everything. Brothers are there. And, and a great, the great thing is like once I'd they like do- to audition for that part. I'd well, like well, to audition for the part where we throw to commercial on, on Shiplap Hour. That's the live PD version of this. You know, here, and here's how. I mean, if they don't find any in the first through old barns that they that they come across, they just like walk up to a random house and Chip kicks the door down. Like the family's in there eating dinner and they're like, Chip Gaines, what are you doing here? He's like, Is there Shiplap? And he just smashes a wall with a sledgehammer. He's like, No Shiplap here. Let's go. And he just runs out of the house and he kicks the neighbor's door down. And it's mostly just uh, breaking and entering and home invasions for yeah, about an yeah, hour yeah. and a half. Uh, they rarely find shiplap. There's not a lot of shiplap out there in the wild, believe it or not. But one, great entertaining. Great entertainment. One, one thing I really liked about this, uh, the, the, the time the time list is the pairings of like profile er to profile E. Like I thought that, like Tim Tebow to the Gaines, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I think Sandra O's was written by Shonda Rhimes, like that which oh, makes yeah. a lot of sense too. Jesse, if you were if you may when you make the list when you inevitably on your time 100 list who what what's what well-known influencer are you going to have write your profile easy question. my attorney kim kardashian who will use it as a <laughs> way kardashian west. As a, kim kardashian west as a way to exonerate me publicly even if the court system has long decided i'm very, very guilty of everything the state has accused me of that's that's a simple question annie who would be yours uh, who would be mine? I would pick Jimmy Fallon. I'd let Jimmy Fallon write it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, interesting so, one. The, the, it, it, you know, it recorded over hey, uh, you know, uh, a riveting session of Lemonade Pong played in the Tonight Show <laughs> studios. <laughs> right. you know. Cameron, who would write yours? I have, I have no idea. I'm blanking. I don't know. You got to come up with somebody who's Shaq. Anybody. I mean, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. Whole, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, there we go. Oh, Jerry. Oh, yeah, that'd be kind of that'd be a good one. Yeah, he would like the great thing about Jerry Seinfeld. I love it how he keeps like interviews and stuff like the comedians and cars like kind of surfacey because that's like kind of fun. Like I don't need like yeah. for some people you want to hear the backstory. Some people would, like this is fun for like a breezy. Type uh, why not like thing, Shaq you know? or someone like that? I think he'd be. I, I don't think he'd be very articulate in his writing. I think Jerry oh, would would craft a good prose. I think yeah. I think, you think all those people who wrote those hundred things wrote them themselves. Yeah, I, I think I think that I don't like. I, I think there's probably some teams involved on some of these. Yes. You, so Annie, you don't think Tim Tebow has written his own books with his own two <laughs> meaty hands? Why do you have to add the adjective? Oh my god! Yeah, he's got that. giant hands. Have you oh, seen yeah, Tim Tebow? He's he's been putting on a concerning amount of muscle these days. Like he's starting to look like too big. He's like starting a, to look a little too big. You know what? Maybe he's working to reboot the old TV show Gladiators, where they where they he's battle. Starting with to look he, does have, he does have some show like that. He does have a um, yeah million dollar a, mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maria Wait, Taylor, Huck, yeah. who would write your um, thing? Who would write you your know, piece? I, I, a lot of people went for the layups here. They went for the easy one, like you know, Chris Christie handled Donald Trump's. Elizabeth Warren wrote wrote AOCs. I kind of want. I, I'm. I don't. I'm not afraid of my haters. I want to get one of my intact. One of my many well known enemies. 
to so any handle, of us. handle my profile. <laughs> yeah, All so right, I'll do. So any of my coworkers that are listening, <laughs> I would like I, I hereby call right now my estranged sister, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, to be the one who handles me. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring hey, it on. The, great, the great thing about having her. Words can't hurt me, Sarah. Hey, here, here's the, the risky thing about her. She could just make stuff up. Like, she could just tell <laughs> right. bold-faced lies and no, no one's going to no care. Fear. <laughs> no fear. And if she does, I would also like to call him by lawyer. She, <laughs> she, she can just fabricate things, and she's very good at that. So, uh, it's a fantastic <laughs> choice. All right, well, that'll do it for... It's the hardest, the hardest. I think that one... I love that one because it really shows Chandler's singing ability the most uh-huh. of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His singing yeah. ability is similar pleasing. to Tim Tebow's writing ability. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no one on this show no, says Tim didn't write those pieces or his books with his meaty so, hands. Someone implied it. Someone. No, there I was just, one person on here who implied it. <laughs> I was not talking about Tim and the Gaines. I just said across the board. I am certain that Shaq could turn in a piece about Cameron Strang that could be edited enough. None if, of us even even you know considered the fact that Tim Tebow didn't sit down at his <laughs> you know MacBook and you know open up a Google Doc. I'm sure and, he did. And, Jesse, and turn you, around a tight three hundred words. Very large athletes. You know, you know, old people, they have like those cricket phones where the buttons are really big. Do you think they yes. have special laptops or keyboards for like people with big meaty hands that like they can't get on the little normal size keys? Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact I one time saw Tim Tebow do a cover of The Sound of Silence on a keyboard <laughs> on a piano. And it was very disoriented because he's playing on the one that Tom Hanks used in the film Bick. And he's just, oh, he's just like, playing around. It was unbelievable. But unbelievable performance. Hands. Someone else uses their feet. Tim Tebow yeah. uses individual fingers. Yeah, right. his, yes. his giant meaty finger. The great thing is Damon Wayans provided uh, the harmony. And, Harmonies. Oh, man, it's just not beautiful. a dry eye. Not Angelic. a dry just beautiful. eye. It's like the Lord like himself. Like a tranquilizer gun to the neck. <laughs> 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 All right, stay tuned. Coming up next, Rooney Mara joins us. It's not my baby. Not the girl I knew then. Not the girl I know anymore. I will not leave you. Baby, don't you leave Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of The Relevant Podcast. This is, we're all family here. Let's talk. If you don't subscribe to Relevant Magazine, you're missing out. We are doing a flash sale this weekend. This weekend only. Uh, Easter weekend, we're doing a flash sale with our best deal ever. If you've ever thought about subscribing, this is the time to do it. Go to relevantmagazine.com slash flash sale and you can get a year of Relevant for only 10 bucks. It's $27.99 normally. And for the next three days, it's only 10 bucks, specifically at relevantmagazine.com slash flash sale. Go do it now. We know you'll like it and you'll be supporting Relevant and the podcast that you're listening to. Thanks, everyone. You're listening to Dennis Lloyd. The song is Never Go Back. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Beck with Saw Lightning. This week's episode is also brought to you by Quip. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. 
Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Uh, people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. So Quip's sensitive sonic vibrations are gentle enough on your gums. Up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes and don't clean evenly. So a built-in two-minute timer in the Quip toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping, a, helping guide a full and even clean. Three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. That's why brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. That's why I love Quip. I use it every day. And why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash relevant. Go do it. Exactly 100 episodes ago, you gave me a Quip toothbrush, Cameron, and That's I love right. it. right. On our 600. Happy 100 episodes, teeth. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking great before thank our, you looking, so looking much great. for noticing yeah. before you. our merger with the robertson family it was uh you know we you know oh the pat the robertson fun. i got yeah, it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> finally happened like, oh, like, or the duck, <laughs> dynasty. In that duck dynasty we, we well it's actually it's the it's the 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 holy trinity of broadcasting duck dynasty the 700 club and now the relevant podcast Another all one two and three of the wayans brothers they're unbelievable Actress Rooney Mara stars in the title role of the new biblical film, Mary Magdalene, which just hit theaters. The film tells the story of Magdalene's important relationship with Jesus, who is played by Joaquin Phoenix, and what we can still learn from it today. Our own Tyler Daswick recently spoke with Rooney and the film's director, Garth Davis, whose directorial debut, Lion, was nominated for six Oscars. Uh, They talked about the movie and why Mary's story is so important. Welcome, Daz. Tell us about it. Hey everyone, how's it going? Hi, Dad. Hey, Tyler. Daz will do it. <laughs> he will. He'll, he'll watch it too. Uh, Daz, you've quit, climbed quite the ladder in your tenure here. You know, originally uh, hired for eating waffles in a setting uh, on the pod, now interviewing some of the biggest movie stars in the I world. I believe it was pancakes, fair. wasn't it? it what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, exactly true. That's true. It's true. It's Daz, Daz, have you, I, real quick, have you eaten a pancake since then? <laughs> that fateful day? The answer is no. But I, Mary Magdalene, have you guys been following this movie? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Following. Yes. But it's, uh, it's not actually playing in Nashville yet. Yeah. It's, it's still expanding, uh, still coming out. And, and this is kind of a, a different Bible movie than I think a lot of people are, are going to be used to. Before this interview with uh, Rooney Mara and Garth Davis, I, I kind of looked at the canon of Bible movies and the vast majority of them, if not all of them, are about dudes. Uh, we've had Jesus movies. We've had a movie Let's about go, the Let's Apostle go. Paul. Uh, we've had movies that give special attention to Luke and, and Peter. Uh, but from beginning to end, Mary Magdalene uh, is about how this woman sees Jesus. And it makes a difference in the movie. There's this early scene where Mary leaves her home and has made the decision to follow Jesus and the disciples. And she shows up in their camp and the camera catches the reaction shots of all these dudes who have really just been in this like male only community. And, and, and they're all like stunned, confused, kind of angry that this woman is showing up and it communicates right away that this was something really radical that was going on for Magdalene to enter into this and follow Jesus with all of these men. And so I asked Rooney Mara, who who plays Magdalene in the movie, about 
offering that female perspective. And she had some good thoughts. Let's listen. And I remember just like walking up to that group of men being like, oh my God, this would have been absolutely terrifying to just go and join this like group of men uh, would have been really, it was definitely took a lot of bravery for her to leave home and, and do that for them. We've never seen that time period really for that world from a female perspective. Um, and I think the male and female perspective are quite different, certainly during that time. So I think there's a lot of value in, in seeing it through from this point of view. I don't think we've ever had someone talk about being uh, having a role in like a, a Christian film or a Bible related movie and talk about the fear that they would experience approaching mm-hmm. Jesus and the yeah. disciples. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's one of the themes of the film too, is kind of patriarchy and how it's existed since, you know, you know, the time of Jesus and the disciples. I think that Annie, you'd probably attest to how much things have changed since then, since now, uh, there's like total equity among the genders in all these Christian spaces. <laughs> right. Uh, ever since. right. I can't imagine. I do just love the idea of, I, I can't wait to see this. Cause I do think that is an, is an under considered part of the gospels is, I mean, how many women, and it's true of some men too, but how many women are told stories of in the new Testament and we don't know their names, you know, yeah, the yeah. woman in the yeah, well, yeah, yeah. the Samaritan woman. you know, like yeah. there's all these women, the mm-hmm. woman caught in adultery that aren't named. And, and so I love that Mary Magdalene has, as a name in this film, sounds like it's going to bring so much of her perspective. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and for, my experience watching the movie, it did take a little bit of recalibration in that respect. You're so used to watching one of these Bible stories on screen and the focus is Jesus. And in this movie, you have Joaquin Phoenix, one of the best actors of our generation playing Jesus, but it's really clear. This is not Jesus's movie. This is not Joaquin Phoenix's movie. This is about Rooney Mara and Mary Magdalene. So you kind of have to get used to that. At least I did as I was watching it. So uh, the focus then is not Jesus. It's about Mary finding her purpose, building a relationship with Christ. And especially if you've watched tons of faith movies, you kind of have to adjust to that. And the director of this movie, Garth Davis, uh, he had some good perspective on that adjustment. I found it really moving to see I mean, you could probably talk about this already, but Mary's, uh, Mary just trying to find a way to express her calling. You know, she just had this, uh, she couldn't, and it was not, and, and she was kind of pushing up against tradition as well. So it was, it was very fascinating. And I think very, a lot of women today can relate to that in a lot of cultures and, and, and even in our culture. So I think it's the same problems that we're dealing with today is something that Mary faced. I think he touches right there on the most affecting part of the movie. It's uh, it's what you guys were just talking about. This is a 2,000-year-old story, but it's modern. This is a yeah, woman right. fighting within a male-dominated structure to claim authority in the church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked uh, the two of them, both Rooney and uh, Garth outright, uh, what parallels they see between Mary's struggle in the movie and the struggles that uh, women are facing, not just in the church, but in general today in terms of, you know, having to take ownership and and fight for authority. But I I liked Davis's answer a lot. Here's what he said. For me, um, there's a couple of things that I think direct parallels. And it's how people project 
their idea of what they think religion is going to bring to the world and to society. And um, I think that's a fascinating part of this film. You know, when you're in amongst the disciples, how everyone has such a different idea of what the coming of the kingdom is going to be. And, 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 um, and I think that's, I, I think it's so true of today as well. And they're kind of very convinced of it, you know, where, but when I, what I loved about Mary is that she, she just chose to be in the moment and to kind of trust, you know, and it was um, a completely different way of, um, you know, uh, being a part of that, you know, very powerful movement of faith at, at the time. He's he's lighting on the main distinction the movie makes between Mary Magdalene and the other disciples. So uh, for the others, the, the kingdom of God is going to be this political movement, this physical establishment. But through the course of the movie, Mary comes to understand that Jesus is there to rescue people's hearts. She kind of catches that eternal vision of what the kingdom of God looks like. And because of that, she kind of gets this special understanding on the level relationship with Jesus that the other disciples don't. And that leads to all of the friction and conflict of the movie among that community. So it just comes to mind in, in sort of what he says, like, how often today do we see female leaders in the church not taken seriously or attacked or maligned just because they have expertise or knowledge or a perspective that the men around them don't? Mm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's fascinating. I love the and, you know, the real truth is, Daz, and I'm sure you've seen this in the film and, you know, it's in your real life. It is the combo of both that makes for the most strength. You know, it's, it's what the women and what Mary Magdalene felt and inferred and, and her, what her feminine side could, could, um, experience there combined with the men that is when it's strongest. And so I think that's, that's the sweetest spot is when leaders are respecting each other and, and hearing what each other is experiencing. So I, I, yeah, I think that's really important right now. And my hope is that as, men and women can see this film that they'll, they will draw that line too to today and not just consider that like a Mary Magdalene thing. I, I almost want to like follow up on, on that. And I just, I want to ask like what steps can men in the church and in leadership, Annie take to uh, build a relationship that is more complimentary in that way you're talking about. Gosh, I, um, you guys might have answers for this too, because I certainly am not the expert for all conversations about women, but as the woman here, um, you know, I think a part of it is just listening. It's just having these conversations and, and listening to what women are experiencing. Cause so often I will say to my friends that are in ministry here at my church here or at other places, and I'll explain some experience I had and they'll go, wait, that happened. Wait, wait, you know, like I didn't even Mm -hmm. see that or I didn't know that. And so I think part of it is, it just having conversations with the women leaders in your church or in your community and seeing what they are seeing and believing them when they say it. Yeah. Hmm. What would y'all say? I mean, all of y'all are dudes in leadership somewhere and have women in your lives. What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would echo that. I mean, to listen, you know, and, and, and genuinely ask for, you know, insights and perspectives that maybe, uh, different than what I might experience day to day, you know, like genuinely seeking out 
alternative perspectives because, you know, it's cliche to sounds you don't know what you don't know. And, right. but right. you can, you can limit what you don't know by listening to voices who've lived it and who do know, you know? And I, I think something that I've been thinking about Annie and, and uh, Daz, I believe you and I, were, I was talking to you about this just a couple of days ago. As a matter of fact, uh, a few days ago, my wife called a guy in our, uh, that, that we were with out on, on some misogynistic comments that he was making and, and, and rightfully so he was making, he, he was being kind of a, a jerk about some, some, about an issue and it, it makes, but that makes people uncomfortable. You know, it, that's like, it's not, nobody likes to hear that they're, they're, they've said something sexist that feels very personal and it, it's natural for men to get defensive when they're called out on that. I understand that. But part of listening is going to involve you accepting that, oh yeah, I, I am going to be part of the problem here and I'm going to have to correct. If this was easy, it would have already happened, but yeah. it's hard instead. So that's going to mean facing some uncomfortable truths. And if you're being made to feel uncomfortable because of things that are being said about you by a woman, that's not, that doesn't mean she's wrong. That's a sign that you need to be paying actually more attention and consider the possibility that you are part of the problem in a, in a substantive way. Yeah. And do, I don't know if y'all saw this, but this, the, this exact thing happened to me last weekend where someone on Twitter asked me why I w- didn't have more diversity on my podcast. Oh, and no. asked very kindly and was really polite. And we had a really good dialogue. But the truth is I had the choice to either be defensive or recognize that there are blind spots in my life yeah. and places that, that I don't know everything and I don't see what other people see. And so it is, um, it is not fun, right? I mean, it's what you said, Huck. <laughs> it's not fun, but if we want to be healthy grown people, you have to recognize there are things other people see in you that you don't see in yourself as easily and to listen to them when there is correction. So listening to me is, is the start of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And, and I, and I think leaning into discomfort actually takes us well into our final clip. The, the last thing I was interested in, in the interview was Rooney's Rudy Mara's relationship with the character. Um, it's t- the last play- thing you were interested in. There's a lot more talking. I, the I, last thing you were interested I, I, in. <laughs> I mean, the the final point of conversation <laughs> was was Rudy Mara's relationship with with Mary. It's a big deal to to play yeah. such a figure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no and so Rooney Mara was. Uh, she mentioned that she grew up Catholic. She went to Sunday school, but uh, as an adult, she left the church and doesn't identify as, as religious. Um, and she says she's spiritual, but in terms of like religious structure and institution, she's uh, totally apart from all that. So I was curious in terms of her taking the part, what purpose she found in it. And, and her answer surprised me. Here it is. I don't know that I went into it with any sort of mission statement or idea of, uh, you know, I I, ha- I sort of had so much baggage going into it, um, just with what I already knew about or thought I knew about the character and the story, and so I I really wanted to go into it with a clean slate and just sort of discover as I went along, which I did, and it was really cool to sort of um, rediscover a lot of the. Well, it's weird to call them characters, but you know, just learning even about Jesus, like what I thought, I thought I knew, you know, about Jesus. And it was, it was really cool to just sort of let myself be open and discover things as I went along. And, um, I was surprised by by the things that I found and, and how not dissimilar it was to a lot of the spiritual things that I follow or believe in now as an adult. I was really sort of surprised by that. Mm. 
I think you talk about leaning into discomfort and the rewards of that. To me, that's the sign of a faith adjacent movie done right. I mean, Rudy Mara doesn't consider herself a Christian at all, but she found connecting points to the themes and subjects and characters in this movie. And not not only that, like, I think speaking for because I, I got a chance to see the film as well. You know, Mary Magdalene's a figure who's been maligned by history. You know, you know, Daz, as you've pointed out in something you've written about this film, you know, dating back to medieval popes calling her a prostitute or a sinful woman. You know, people have all these misconceptions about her. But, you know, look, today's Good Friday. You know, Sunday is Easter Sunday. Mary Magdalene plays a central role in the story that will be celebrated this weekend. She, you know, she is the person to announce the resurrection of Jesus Christ. She was chosen for that. And to have her maligned, you know, it, it is unfortunate, but I like what Rooney said there. Come into this fresh. Come in there with you no know, baggage or preconceptions about Mary, her character, and this story, and you might actually get a fresh perspective. I know I did watching it, a fresh perspective. Did you, Jesse? You feel yeah. different about her? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She was a character I never really thought about in the Bible, and now I now I see how, you know, central to the God. Like I said, look at, look at what happened or what we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday. And look who the Bible God chose to be the one to announce that to humanity. And she's one of those voices. And that's an important thing that I think the church needs to celebrate this weekend, you know, more than any. My goodness, and I'm I, ready for an altar call, man. Come on, Jesse. <laughs> let's, let's go, I was also going to say, Jesse God, Jesse, God chose her to be the one to announce it, but also she, she chose to be there. Yeah. Right. Like she, yes. I, I oh, think yeah. it says so much about her that she she chose to be at the garden tomb that morning when they, when she could have been anywhere. How many of the 12 men showed up to the garden tomb that morning? You know, how many Come of those on. 12 dudes that followed Jesus around for all those years showed up? No, it was it was Mary Magdalene. And yeah. her faithfulness, uh, you know, has been rewarded with indignity. By history. And you know, it says, uh, I'm not going to remember exactly, but it's either, I think it's Mark, but it says in Mark that Mary and Mary Magdalene watched Jesus be buried as well. Mm, yeah. And so she's standing there watching him get put in the tomb and she's there when she thinks he's the gardener and he's resurrected and, and they're talking. And, and what are the disciples doing? Doubting, cowering, uh, you know, uh, betraying. You know, like, and who's the and one? Then who, and then for history has turned around and told the story backwards. Yeah. 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 I think it's John Orberg who pointed out that since Mary Magdalene was the first one to see Jesus uh, and until she told anybody else who believed, she was the entirety of the church in the whole world for yeah. a few brief. That's she was cool. the, the first and only Christian. Uh, the, 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 who, that the reason that we're all here was the only reason we're here is because she preached she for, told for, people. for for a brief few hours. One soul held the truth of the gospel. Think right. about that. One person knew Oof. he's risen, <laughs> you know, like that's crazy. Mary's Mary's OG. Yeah. yeah. It's, an important, <laughs> it's an important story. And, I, and I, it's so cool to see talent. Like Mary's the original hipster. Think about yeah. it. Like she was, <laughs> yeah. she knew about Jesus before you anybody before was, even talking. The was cool. Hipster. She knew. Yeah. It was she cool. knew about the resurrection before the resurrection was cool, and it was you know cool instantly. Oh. Yeah. You believe in the risen Jesus? Cool. Cool. I've yeah. seen the empty tomb, homies. <laughs> <laughs> the stone was rolled like he said it was. 
Yeah. All right. Well, Mary Magdalene <laughs> is out now. It's rolling out to more cities every week. Make sure to check it out if it comes to your city. That was uh, a great th- interview, Daz. Yeah. yeah. Thanks yeah. a lot, uh, Daz. Thanks, thanks, uh, that was Rooney Mara and filmmaker Garth Davis. There you go. Stay tuned. Up next, our 700 Club game. full of motifs, grace, sacrifice, the cross, but one of the most overlooked symbols in scripture is actually trees. In Reforesting Faith, the new book from Dr. Matthew Sleeth, the author looks at the ways trees have been clear-cut from Christian sermons, theology, and literature, even redacted from the modern biblical text. Find out who's behind this theology in Reforesting Faith, available wherever books are sold. All proceeds benefit reforestation efforts around the globe. Brag about the things you've done. You're listening to Johnny Swim. The song is Souvenir. It's from their brand new album, Moonlight, which releases today. Go get it. It's perfect for your weekend soundtrack. Okay, as we've been talking about, this is a very special episode. It is our 700th episode. We are now part, officially, of the 700 Club. And (laughs) to celebrate that, Tyler Huckabee has taken it upon himself to come up with a game that the rundown, the show rundown, literally says game description goes here. So I have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) Tyler Huckabee, tell us, what are we doing? What is the game today to celebrate our 700th episode? (laughs) Okay, so we are playing a game called Who World Order, which is described by Jesse as very high concept. Can I just say this? This game has like six layers in it like this is the most high like because Tyler and I talked about it's some like game a good ideas dip. it's like yeah. a good dip it's it got the bean dip. layer the sour cream layer oh sure cheese layer yeah and we're going all the way to the final bean layer and then that cr- the chip cracks at the bottom of the bowl <laughs> right so Holly, that's I, how hope, far. I hope you came ready this is a chip cracking game this all is right, so chip. joining us is our as a listener uh Holly Sudsmo is that your name Sunsmo. Sunsmo. Uh, welcome. Yeah. Where are you calling us from? I am in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Is it uh, a nice 85 degree sunny day there? The high is 52 today. 52. Oh, that's nice though. Isn't <laughs> it? it could be worse. Saturday's supposed to get up to 69. So I'm looking forward to that. Wow. Yes, girl. Wow. Get out on that. Well, what, do you, what do you do there in the Twin Cities? I'm a stay at home mom. And Very I cool. homeschool my two teenage daughters. Oh, wow. And I am involved in my church. I lead the women's Bible study and I sing on the worship team. So nice. That's how, oh, that's it how, how familiar are you with the 700 Club? <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of it and seen little bits of it, but not a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. approximately my knowledge as well, Holly. Same. So we're well, gonna be good. Well, the, the irony, the irony there, Annie, is you're gonna be playing Holly in this game. No, why do you always make <laughs> oh, me play yeah. against oh, yeah. people? That's all right, Holly. I'm sorry. Holly, we're listen, evenly matched. Listen, and that's if right. you win, if you win. Yeah. You will receive because this is going to be the pri- the default. I didn't run this by anybody. I just came to me. But I think the default prize for any game we play, because the last game we played was such a huge hit, 
is uh, your own copy of How We Fit In, the, the true Strang oh, family. Story. Wow. Oh, wow. If you win, yes. I, DM- I would read that. Okay. It's a great read. It's a great Holly, read. It really and, is. And I, in your homeschooling, I think your, I think your children, your students would benefit from a history <laughs> lesson they ain't going to learn in the public schools. I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> no one's right. teaching this history. They're not learning okay? in private schools either, to be fair. <laughs> this history is off the books. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Too hot. Too hot for See, history. The beauty of homeschooling is I can pick my own curriculum. So this is a textbook. This is this is a very salacious textbook. So here's so Holly, <laughs> if you win in that DM thread on Twitter, send us your address and you will receive a copy of this book. Oh my gosh! Okay. Even if you lose, Holly, send your address. They'll mail you. It's pretty low stakes. Too. Yeah, go ahead. We go might, ahead we might send, send it a little faster address. if the you win stakes, or something. In other words, the stakes could not be lower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Huckabee, what, what's the rules of this game? What, All right, let me explain the, explain the game. Now, there are, we're, we're, I hope everyone brought their thinking caps. It's, it's not super high concept, but you need a little oh bit of history first. So here's how the game works. In 1991, yeah. infamous televangelist and 700 Club founder Pat Robertson published a book called New World Order which is an analysis of the current geopolitical arena <laughs> that explores the meanings of a new world order developing in Europe, the Middle East, and the U.S. Well, hold on. When oh. you say, when, when you say um, the analysis of a current, and, and I know this is in quotes, so I'm, a, I'm assuming this is from the back cover of the it's book. A, yeah, this is from the back of the book. Copy. When it says analysis of the current geopolitical arena, mind you, this book was written in 1991. So current for its time. Yeah. But as we'll discover... Many of its themes have never been more prevalent than they are oh, today. Oh, wow. Okay. Holly, I don't earlier, know what's happening here either. So one year earlier, in 1990, a conspiracy theorist named A. Ralph Epperson self-published a book of his theories also called The New World Order, <laughs> which purports to uncover hidden and sinister meetings behind all symbols on the Great Seal of the United States. Oh, I want to read that. <laughs> right. Interesting. <laughs> 50 years before them both, beloved science hold on, hold on, fiction hold on, hold on. writer H.G. Wells. Tell, for everyone keeping track at home, you have pierced the cheese layer at top. You've gone <laughs> through salsa. <laughs> you're through the one layer of ground beef and you're getting to the sour cream. Continue, Tyler. Sour cream. <laughs> Guacamole next stop. <laughs> 50 years before them both, beloved science fiction writer H.G. Wells, who wrote uh, Time Machine, wrote a book called The New World Order that expressed the idea that a new world order should be formed to unite the nations of the world to bring peace and end war. So, so hold on, hold on. We're we're seven minutes in the intro to this game. <laughs> you are your chip is now so far into the nacho layer. You have to decide: do I pry it back up, risk breaking the chip, or do you abandon the chip, let the layers on the top sink in, and let some other party guess find it layer when, when it gets to more acceptable okay, level? It's at that yeah, point because if you pull the chip up now, you know it's snapping in half. Do you, it, or do I you go know, get a plastic fork and it fish can't it out? The weight. Yeah, it, it's yeah. that bean layer on the bottom. That bean yeah. layer on the crick, bottom crick. always breaks a chip. Yeah, that's how that's how many layers we're in. You're right, and, Jess. And, uh, continue, Tyler, because we're not even we're not even close to finishing the concept. So, three books called the New World Order. One by Pat Robertson, founder of the Seven Hundred Club. Yeah. One by A. Ralph Epperson, self-published conspiracy theorist. One by beloved sci-fi writer H. G. Wells. I'm going to read you an Amazon user review 
from one of these three books, and you have to tell me if the review in question was written about 700 Club founder Pat Robertson's New World Order, oh, conspiracy theorist A. Ralph Epperson's New World Order, or sci-fi writer H.G. Wells' New World Order. Wow. This is how My we're celebrating our 700th sure episode. This is <laughs> nice. sure In a weird way, I can no- think of no more fitting way <laughs> than a completely insane game loosely based in the world of Christian culture. I mean, I yeah, literally a perfect tribute. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. Holly, do you understand the rules? I certainly do. Okay. Okay. And you're the, the only rules? one who does. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand them. It broke my chip, but I understand them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's, that's the goal. That means you're doing everything right. Annie so abandoned her chip a few minutes ago. It's, yeah. Uh, it's just I will down say there this, on the bottom. There, 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 is a, there is a broken chip slowly getting soggy midway through <laughs> the layer dip bowl. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I'll leave it. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're ready. Who's up first? I'm leaving the party. Holly, you point. will go first. Are you ready? Okay. I am ready. All right. So here's the Amazon user review. Not an easy read. I'll have to read it again. This information will open your eyes beyond the typical political understandings. The author gets into the money sources that may be seeking world political control and domination. You think that was from Pat Robertson's New World Order, A. Ralph Epperson's New World Order, or H.G. Wells' New World Order? Mind you, the first words are not an easy read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to, my gut instinct is to go with Epperson. Yeah, I, I agree. I would no, say. I'm going Pat Robertson. Well, wait your turn, Annie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, because Annie was correct. That was actually Pat Robertson. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Not, not known All for right. his prose. More of a, more of a big picture guy. <laughs> He's but, known for, but known for the money conversation. So that's what oh, got me. Annie's got, yeah. oh, Annie, right. Annie's, I think Annie buried some of her talent here. Yeah. She knows more than she lets on. All right, Annie, you're up. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. If you're smart, you're spelled wrong. If you're smart, you will read this book. Believe the end is coming and save yourself now with yeah. JC. Easily the middle one. The the conspiracy theory. Those people hey, can't hey, spell. Ralph the, yeah, those people can't spell your correctly. <laughs> I'm sorry. The answer was H.G. Wells. Oh, right. Wow. All right. After round one, zero, zero. It's a dead heat. Dead heat. All right. Holly, you're up. You can put the first points on the board here. When I was a child, I saw the Thief in the Night movies. Because of violent crime, I witnessed as a kid the Cold War and served as an adult in law enforcement. I have no doubt that what this author says is at least 80% true. <laughs> I have to go with Epperson again. I think Robertson's too old to watch those Thief in the Night movies as a child. Oh, I oh like that is reasoning. correct. You are on the board. Yeah. I like the reason wow. there. Well, I you... think the reviewer said that they watched them as a kid. Oh, yeah. But, but regardless, right. you got it right. Oh, oh yeah. you got it right. Yeah. I also noticed that for some reason in this review, because I'm looking at Tyler's cheat sheet here. Cold War is in quotes for a reason that's not determined. <laughs> it's almost half <laughs> the implication is the Cold War is Implying not happening. Implying the Cold War is optional, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. The quote Cold unquote, War the Thief in the Night Cold movies. Cold War. Yeah. <laughs> the All quote right. unquote Thief in the Night movies. I quote Indeed. unquote have left seven chips in the chip in the tip hole <laughs> and I'm going to leave the party before anyone asks who did it. 
with a to-go plate. <laughs> All right, Andy, here's your chance to tie it up. I'm ready. As an academic, I have no reservations in declaring this a, all caps, must read. Ooh. Hmm. An academic. H.G. Wells. I'm going H.G. Wells. I'm sorry, Andy. The answer was Pat Robertson. Yeah, that seems <laughs> untrue. That <laughs> seems impossible. Wow. There hasn't been one right. No, there's What's one right answer. Crazy. You got to think about this. I mean, like H.G. Wells is classic. Conspiracy theories are never out of fashion. But, but Amazon came along well after Pat Robertson wrote this book. This means these people are going Amazon back. Amazon came along well after H.G. Wells wrote his book. Too. I know, but, no, but I'm saying, yeah. but at least that's like, you know, like. Classic. historical you yeah, know whatever yeah. it's not like current events it's right. just pat Roberts's book is just outdated by the time these amazon reviewers have read it it's just crazy to right. me that they're even reviewing it but they're anyway. taking right. time to review it yeah right yeah. All right holly you, you're, gonna, you're gonna keep running up the score here i'm ready i see more clearly why many in our political sphere are working so hard to run up our national debt to cause our nation's financial collapse weaken our military and eventually overthrow our country you I'm up. gonna try Epperson again. Uh, the answer was Pat Robertson. Pat <laughs> Robertson, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> of course, it's so Pat clear. Him. If it has yeah. to do with money, it's Pat Robertson. <laughs> yeah. I, do I, do I do notice the pattern here. Here seeing a theme. Yeah, dialed into a theme here. All right, Danny, can tie it here, and then we'll do we'll do a final round for all the marbles worth three points. The next one will be worth three points. So wow, wow, wow. Here we go. Gary, how this book written so long ago is unfolding right before our eyes. All caps. Scary. A must read for the political junkie. And and Annie, before you answer, can I note that political junkie is capitalized as if it is a proper noun that this reviewer, (laughs) I believe, thinks there's a person out there named political junkie or is that some sort of title? It's capitalization choice, but noteworthy. (laughs) <laughs> I feel real. I'm going to regret myself, but I feel real H.G. Wellsy again. I'm sorry. Andy, the answer was Eddie Ralph Epperson. Epperson yeah, Ralph yeah, yeah. That was my I knew. I, yeah, I just couldn't. I know it's still anybody's game unless I'm off my game today. Unless Luckily Holly for Holly, gets she's going to get the book she's longed for. If, if Holly oh, gets this one correct, it is out of reach for Annie. But if she misses it, Annie still has a chance. I'll do right. it. And this All is right. a hard one. Hard one. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Once. One star. Too wordy. <laughs> <laughs> Has this person ever read a book before? All it is is words. It's literally words. Right. Like to call a book too wordy, all it is is pages and pages of words. One star. I love it. Okay. That's it? Yeah. That's, that's all you oh, Gosh, bless your heart. I was waiting too, Holly. This I was is a hard too. one. Okay, it's too wordy. H.G. Um, Wells. Unbelievable. That is correct. Holly. She's out of reach. Okay, I'm just curious. Just for just for posterity's sake, what what would Annie's final one have been? All right, all right. Um you should do the last one. I'm gonna skip to the tiebreaker. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I had a potential tiebreaker. I want to throw that one out. (laughs) Annie, this would have been your answer. I sure am sorry I bought this. I feel like (laughs) such a simpleton. The only thing this book might be good for is sleep apnea. Use with a strong toss of rye. <laughs> Otherwise, don't go near this book unless you have a cross and a charm of garlic. This is the New World Boar. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, they were proud of that. Yeah, they worked hard on that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Andy, what would you have said? Um, maybe Pat Robertson. 
Now you would have been correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh. All right. Well, four to three. Holly wins it. Holly, Holly. congratulations. My dad really deserved win. Self-published book about my family history. Holly, put yeah. your address congratulations, in. Holly. Put your address in that DM oh, thread in the book. And the book. Thanks will for be joining there. us, Holly. And um, thank you. Congratulations on the snow melt up there. Good and luck homeschooling to today. Teach them everything. It's been a long time coming. And, and Holly, um, because there's no member of the Shrang family present with me, I will be autographing the book on their behalf. So uh, <laughs> it's quite the honor. It's quite the honor you have. Do you just have an extra it. box at your house, Jesse? <laughs> oh, I got a shipment in. Uh, yeah, I thought you, know. you might have. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, thanks, Holly. Thank you. Well, many thanks to World Vision for sponsoring this episode. Remember, you can learn how you can participate in the World Vision Global 6K for Water on May 4th by visiting worldvision6k.org. If you want to come to Orlando, uh, throw a slash relevant onto that URL. Uh, Also, thanks to Quip for sponsoring the episode. If you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash relevant. And thanks also to Rooney Mara and Garth Davis for joining us. Their film Mary Magdalene is out now. And after that conversation, it sounds like to me it's a really good Easter weekend kind of movie to go see. So for sure, go check that out. Uh, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Tyler Huckabee. I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you all on Tuesday. Happy Easter, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. No shiplap here. Let's go. Relevant Podcast Network. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.